Ezekiel 47. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went, man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engalim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Thanks, Naomi. Good morning, everyone. <coughs> Lovely to see you. It's been a little while. Nice to see uh, everyone here. Lovely to see Simon and Zoe. Was it just Zoe? Oh, oh, it's lovely to see Zoe. Uh, welcome. I'm sure you've already been welcomed. Um, we're on the third of our series looking at this brilliant passage in Ezekiel. And uh, if you haven't caught the last two, I thoroughly recommend podcasting uh, the, the two that have uh, led to this point, uh, Tim and uh, Andy. And uh, it's my job really to bring it all together today as we look again at this brilliant passage. And it is a passage that I'm personally very fond of, but also also as a church, as you will have heard, we were kind of built on the prophetic word of this passage, built as an ethos for worshipping in the sanctuary and flowing out to the desert place, to the community, to the lost, to the people who need the hope of this world, which is Jesus Christ. And that's uh, who we believe the river comes from and ends in. In Genesis, we read that there's a river uh, and it's in the Garden of Eden, right in the very beginning of the Bible, we have a river that is in paradise, that isn't sullied, that isn't in any way tainted. It's a beautiful river. But when sin enters the garden, Adam and Eve are sent east. And God's love pursues man east of Eden ever since. 
And it does that, as Sarah just reminded us, even now today, that the love of God pursues us in our sinfulness. The grace of this river flows east towards us. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve have sinned, then it goes on and on, and people move further and further east of Eden, the paradise that God wanted you and I to live in, because sin and stuff-ups are there, we get more and more distant. And what happened was that God never, ever gave up in sending his son. He never gave up, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's whosoever believes in him should have eternal life. So this is a river that starts in Genesis. It goes through the Bible right the way to Revelation. And at the end of the Bible, in an amazing way that can only be God, we see this river of life come to full fruition in the heavenly eternal river, the life that we can look forward to if we're a believer in Jesus today. And it's a beautiful image because, as we've heard over the last couple of weeks, a river doesn't strive, it flows. It flows out of our devotion to God. It flows out of his love for you and I. And when Ezekiel's writing, he's 30. I don't know whether that seems old to you or seems young to you, but he's 30. And that would have been a very key age for him as a priest. It would be when he entered into his temple ministry. And yet where is he? If you look in Ezekiel 1, he's far from the temple. He's east of where he should be. He's not where he should be, and dare I say it, he's not who he should be. They're in rebellion, they're in exile, they're distant from where they should be, they're east of the temple, and the river flows east, and has always done. The grace of the river flows east into our lives. His forgiveness flows to our desert places, to our places of bewilderment, to our places of secret sin. That's where the river flows. And the good news for us is it gets deeper where? It gets deeper towards the people. Because his love gets deeper and deeper for you who are lost. And if that's you today, as Sarah said earlier on, if you're here and you can't yet say, this is my God, he says, you are my child. I love you. And he loves us with such a profound love that the river can't help but flow towards us. We've called this series Hold Back the River uh, because we like the song by James Bay. But also we are being ironic. I hope you've got that by now, that we are not saying hold back the river. We're saying, come on, God, I want to be part of the river of life, the river of joy that he has for us. I don't know if you have a telephone voice. Um, some of you are chuckling and some of you are nudging each other going, well, you do. Um, we're not on my PowerPoint, I think. Anyway, um, my mum had a telephone voice. Now, she was in exile, a bit like Ezekiel, in Surrey. She's a northern woman. Uh, she moved from Sheffield and she must have loved my dad very much because she also loved Sheffield very much. And she found it really hard to be a Surrey woman. It was the bane of her life, really. But she tried to put it on. And she would answer the phone in a voice that we never really heard unless she was answering the phone or dad had posh people from work round. And she would just answer the phone, and this is taking us back to when phones were actually stationary things that you had to go down the stairs to answer. And she would say, hello, 3990862. And we'd think, who is this woman that has just come to the phone? But then, depending on who was on the other end, we kind of knew what was going to happen next. If it was her mum, still in Yorkshire, in Sheffield, She'd be, oh, hello, hello, you're right. You know, and you'd suddenly think, oh, yeah, that's mum. But other times, this, this incredible posh voice would come from nowhere. And actually, do we have a little bit of that with God? 
as we heard from Andy, do we have an outer court existence? Or actually is our faith about enjoying God in the inner sanctuary? In the place, the holy of holies, where only God and us are allowed. Isn't that great? That you can be real. You don't have to put on a voice when you pray, by the way. The most beautiful prayers, and some of you will know because I've said this to you, just come heartfelt. Just come out of the very flow of pain, of who we are. We just say, God, help me. Some of the most beautiful psalms that we have are prayers of help me, aren't they? The psalms. They're lament. They're crying out. And the river cries out for the lost. And the more we get close to God, the beautiful fruit of the river is that we can't help. If we're amazed by the grace of God with us, how can we not tell others? Because we know we're sinners. We know that the river flew to us and found us. It flew into my life when I was 19 years old and I had been running from him, as some of you know, running from church, running from a Christian family, running from it. And it found me east. <laughs> I discovered this in the first service at East Anglia, actually. But it found me in Norfolk, where I had gone to do some acting. And I thought I was going to have a, a really good experience of that, which I did. But I met these Christians who were caught up in the river of God and who made me thirsty for the fresh water that was in them. And suddenly I'm on my knees. Why? Because the love of God never gave up on me in my years of rebellion, never gave up on me. And if that's you, he's not given up on you. This river is a grace river. It's a river of grace. And it flows east into our hearts, into our lives. The second point to make is that there's power in the river. The river is powerful and it changes the shape of what it runs into. We don't look at a river and think, gosh, that river's doing rather well, do we? We're just in awe of it. We don't think, try harder river. Sometimes we think, gosh, we can't contain it, and it floods the plains. And that's our heart for our life here as scattered saints and gathered saints of God, that we get so engulfed, so immersed in the river of God that we bring life, that we bring power and the power of the Holy Spirit is an incredible, incredible thing. And I would say to you, if you haven't yet received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we believe as a church here at Riverside in the gifts of the Spirit. We're a little bit British about it sometimes. We're a little bit shy sometimes, aren't we? Some of you, you would say. But actually, we're, we're sensitive. We're sensitive to people coming in. Uh, we don't want to you know, seem completely mad. But actually, the things of God, the, the charismata of his spirit actually makes us more natural, makes us more the people that we're meant to be. And actually, you are you because God's spirit wants to flow through you and reflect you. And it took me a long time to get to grips with the fact that actually the reason that God had made me flawed, the reason that he had made me as I am, was for his spirit to shine out of me. That even in my fragility, whether that's as a leader, whether that's as a follower, that he shines out of that fragility. So you don't need to say to yourself in reading this passage, try harder. As John Ortberg says, we, we try softer, but we actually get caught up in the spirit of the river, in his grace towards us that makes us not, we can't help but share that grace with others. And the power of the river brings the fruit of the river. 
And I would just say, and the worship was amazing this morning when I came in, it's just beautiful, but I would just say to you, we can easily, and I think Tim said this last week and probably the week before here, we can easily become critiques. We can stand, if you like, on the banks of the river and say, I wasn't sure I got much out of that service or that worship this morning. Or we can say, I'm in the river and the river is flowing east towards the people. That actually the Holy Spirit fills us most when we're looking outwards towards the lost because the river gets deeper where the people are. It starts with a trickle, but where does it end up? It ends up that he can't even put his foot on the ground. He can't even touch the ground. Why? Because it's deep enough to swim in. And because the power that you and I receive, whether that's in our life groups, whether that's in our quiet times, whether that's in our collective gathered worship here, it is so that we go out and we take his life-changing power with us. And you guys are doing that in a whole host of ways across this community, in community groups, in missional teams, in big lunches, in football matches, in money advice, whatever that might be. We're taking the river, we're flowing with the river to where it is most needed. And the river, as the Bible reminds us, is a river of justice as well. It's a river that changes the shape and tone of the place, the atmosphere, the taste of the river changes when it gets to the sea. And so it's true of us. But actually, if we were to go around the room and say, what is really making you the most angry about the world today? And there's plenty to choose from. It would be different across this body. And that is God's ordinance. He wants us to be angry about different things different areas of injustice. He wants those of us doing night shelter to be angry about the fact that there are still people who are homeless in our city. He wants us to be angry enough to contribute to food bank because actually there's not proper provision yet for people who need that. He wants us to be angry about young people who are growing up in our schools who've never heard the name of Jesus except as a swear word. He wants us to have that burning inside of us as a reason for the river to flow, as a compulsion for us. Uh, A week ago, uh, some of you will know that I was in Calais and in the Dunkirk camp where the refugees still remain. Over a thousand uh, children, women and uh, men remain in Dunkirk camp. And uh, it's interesting with the press coverage that actually some really critical things are said about those beautiful people. I, I had, just when I returned, saw an article that said that, you know, they were sort of living it up in Dunkirk, that they even had mobile phones. Well, yes, they have mobile phones. Each person had been donated by a charity so that they can try and contact someone who will help them. So my job last Saturday was to go around and knock on the shelters with a lovely girl called Kate who's uh, uh, from another church and just to knock on the doors uh, of their little shelters and to give them phone top up. And what a weird thing to do when someone is shivering in front of you and a little girl was in a sundress and sandals with snow outside. If that doesn't make us burn with injustice, I don't know what will. But actually, we were giving them top-ups for their phones. And for me, that was like, this is the tiniest drop in the most massive ocean, but it is a drop. It is a sign that they've not been forgotten. It's a charity that's paying for 10 pounds on their phone so that they can have enough juice in their phone, enough to, to actually pay to contact someone. 
to say, can I come and stay? Or to find somewhere to be? There is injustice across our world. And whatever we may think of the rights and wrongs of the fact that they were there, and thank you so much for all you were able to give. I think it was incredible from all the faiths that were represented in our city, just gave beautifully. And that in itself is a message, isn't it? In a world that is trying to tear us all apart and make us war with each other, you know, from the people from the synagogue, people from the mosque, people from the Church of England, all coming together. Brilliant. Uh, but it's actually an unjust situation where the church can come together in faith, where we can be one river that actually erodes injustice. And as we pray, we change things. As we pray, we change things. Uh, I've just um, been talking to two of our young people who are at Mosley site, who um, one of them set up a CU in her school years ago. And it was just her and one other girl and they faithfully came and the school said they didn't like it very much and that it couldn't become an official club and it couldn't go on the list of clubs because it was Christian. And uh, this is the world we're living in. And uh, that, that's what they said. And so they just would meet in this little form room. They'd take abuse from people. They had people teasing them and shouting at them, but they stayed and stayed. And actually one of the girls, I was able to testify this morning that for the first time in that school, the whole of the CU, which is now in double figures, led their assembly. And they led it on worship. I mean, it's incredible because they've said, it is not okay for my school not to know what worship means to me. And therefore, I will hang in there, even when there's only two of us. What began as a trickle is now, it's not a torrent yet, but it is actually growing because girls and guys over the years have prayed for that river to grow. And I just felt I would say to you, don't be discouraged if the fruit trees don't grow straight away along the banks. Because sometimes um, we, we suddenly are aware that a prayer from long ago is being answered. We see that at the moment with the work that's going on on the Pineapple Estate with Martin and his team. There will be people who for years have prayed for that ministry on the Pineapple Estate. People that precede us who have cried out to God for that area and said, would they have that loving fellowship that they have now? And we cry on for that ministry, that more people will be brought into the river, that more people who are in drought will find this love, will find the power of the river. N.T. Wright says, those in whom the spirit comes to live are God's new temple, that's us. They are individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. So when we come together like this, and we have a beautiful time led beautifully as we have this morning, it's easy almost to see, isn't it, that heaven and earth meet, that something of heaven impacts earth, that something of the river of God, we get caught up in it, but it's a little bit harder on a Monday morning, isn't it, to feel I'm caught up in a river of justice, of love, of grace, but we are. The scattered saints, we are as powerful because we carry from the temple, from the sanctuary, from our inner life into the outer courts. We carry it. You are a carrier of God's grace, of his hope, of his light and of his love. You are a carrier of it. Those who in the spirit dwells, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that is us. And the life of the river, if you look at the, the final few verses, it talks about that actually wherever the river flows, it brings life in its path. That there are fruit trees along the banks of that river. And part of those fruit trees is 
the divine dissatisfaction working its way out of the river. It's that sense of justice that says we can't help but pray for. We can't help. It's not a should. You know the kind of prayers I mean? It's just, you know, you might be going for a run and you're pouring your heart out to God. You might be watching a television program and shouting at the, at the television. You know, it might be your breakfast cereal ends up on the television. I don't know. But you, there's something in you that just says, no, that's not okay. And Christians over the years have been those who have said that's not going to happen and have risked their lives uh, many, many times over for this river, for this river of hope, this eternal river of life that takes us not just from life here, but life eternally, life in eternity. At the start of this year, I always um, pray at the beginning of the year. Some of you will know that I'm a bit obsessed with sort of New Year's Day and the the whole thing of having a fresh start. And uh, this new year, um, God really just gave me two simple words, and that was, enjoy me or enjoy God. And you might think, oh dear, that's a bit flighty, or it's a little bit superficial, but that's what he said to me. And how he said it to me was somebody gave me this book for Christmas. It was no one here, but it was a friend from uni days, and she gave me this beautiful book called A Splash of Words. And she said, I read this, and I just thought Judy would love this. And I was so thrilled with it. It's one of my favorite Christmas presents. But I was telling the staff team this this week, I just thought, right, New Year's service, what what can I find on New Year? What is there that will give us New Year? And I suddenly thought, what has happened to me? What has happened to me that actually the first thing when someone wants me to enjoy my God is that I think of it as a resource for the church? Does that make sense? Now, it will look different in different profiles, but we are not called just to be a resourcing river that is functional It's beautiful. It's full of joy. It's full of colour. There are life. There are fruit trees along the river that are to be enjoyed. There are fishermen standing there expectantly. And God, just in that small way, said, Judy, keep on enjoying me for me in the holy of holies, in the inner place. Because if we start to live in the outer courts and we don't keep drawing from the inner, we will burn out. And we will lose that inner depth that God has for each of us, which is in his sanctuary. Um, Tim shared with us in Mosley, I think it was two weeks ago here, that actually maintenance prayer is not enough. That actually we need to pray until we pray. And that really, really excited me. What can a church that gathers together to pray until we really pray? And we kind of know what that means, don't we? There's a resonance that just says, yes, God, if the world is getting darker, the church has to get lighter. You know, it's about the quality of the light. It's about things like last weekend where other faiths, where we join together and we say, let's be the light in the darkness. Let's not be concerned about what divides us. Let's come together around what unites us. And I wonder as we respond and as we uh, come to, to take communion and respond in a moment, what power is lacking in your life? Where do you feel perhaps a little bit dead? Because the river, wherever it flows, brings life. Is there a part of you that used to have hope where you feel that hope has run dry? Is there a part of you that doesn't feel fruitful or fertile anymore? And God wants to actually just breathe his hope, his power into you. Maybe 
the fruits of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit are something that kind of elude you or confuse you. Maybe you think, do we really believe in the gifts of the Spirit today? Well, the answer is yes, we do. We believe in prophecy. We believe in healing. We believe in wisdom. We believe in those words of discernment that sometimes happen. Yes, we test them to make sure that we're not misleading anyone in any way, but we believe that God speaks today. Amen? We believe that. And if we believe that, we have a story to tell. We have a role to play in that. And I would just encourage you, and, and, and maybe Naomi and the others can, can lead you in this, that as you pray, that there will be his charismata, his gift of the Spirit. I remember when I first started speaking in tongues, and many of you will know the same sort of feeling. I thought I was making it up. I thought, I'm just, I'm just mimicking other people and saying funny words. And that's how it starts, because it's like any other muscle that we're, we're kind of practicing before we really pray until we pray. And we will feel shy, or we will feel a little bit awkward, but actually it's a language and languages that God has given us to intercede for his world, to be the power of the river, and actually to understand more of his heart. Now, that might not be your gift. We hear very clearly that it's not above other gifts. It might be discernment. It might be like a friend did for me yesterday, that you just share a discernment that actually changes not only somebody's day, but their ongoing life. You know, I met up with these friends at Waterloo. I was doing Strength Finder for them in a bar in the middle of Waterloo Station in the middle of the march that we hadn't quite realised was going on. Um, and there we were, just doing Strength Finder. And this lovely girl just said, Judy, I've been mulling this and I don't know whether it's right. And just shared this beautiful picture and word for me that absolutely landed on me. And I knew it's God. And I know it is because there was nothing she knew about that situation. Nothing. Don't you love it when God does that? and how brilliant for her as well as me that I was able to text her and just say how much that meant the river flows it brings life and there is a gift in every one of you here that has the Holy Spirit within you every one of us and I think they're sometimes in learn with our personality that's one of the reasons I do the strength finder profiling because I believe there's a match that God has ordained you as a temple that his spirit flows in and out of your nature with his nature. What a powerful combination. And the good news is, is that the, the salt in the water becomes pure and the water becomes fresh. And as we come to communion, we celebrate the fact that whatever impurities we bring to the river because we do, don't we? We bring impurity into a river. Just as Adam and Eve did, we still move in exile. But actually the river runs with fresh water, with grace, with healing for you and I, with hope for you. If you feel hopeless today, he is our hope eternally. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Back in the day, Paul Weller, who some of you will remember with the jam and the style council, oh, some quite young smiles there, I'm impressed. Um, they had a, a, an album, and it was an album, a physical album, called Tales from the Riverbank. 
which I thought was very appropriate for us today as we look at the tales from the riverbank, the tales from the river, the fruit of the river. And he said this, he said, there's a tale from the water meadows trying to spread some hope into your heart. It's mixed with happiness, it's mixed with tears, both life and death are carried in this stream. And that's the reality, that there's life and death in the river at source. But actually, as it flows out, as it flows deeper, we hear that it becomes fresh. That as it flows towards its people, the river gains its power, gains its beauty, gains its purity, gains its forgiveness. And that's true for us. I'm going to finish with... um, a little poem that I did enjoy before I shared with you, so I think that's okay with God. Uh, A little poem that is from a splash of words, and it talks about, are we still tripping over joy? I hope that we are. Are we tripping over the joy of the river, messing about in the river maybe, as we hear in Wind of the Willows? But this is called Tripping Over. What is the difference between your experience of existence and that of a saint of God? The saint knows that the spiritual path is a sublime chess game with God and that the beloved has made a fantastic move towards us, that the saint is now continually tripping over joy, bursting out in a laughter that says, I surrender, whereas, my dear, I'm afraid you still think you have a thousand serious moves. And some of you will resonate with that. Some of you will think, what the heck was that about? Um, But actually, that resonates with me because it says we think that we have a thousand serious moves to make, don't we? We think it's about must do better, must try harder, must be better at bringing the river to work, must take river to work. (laughs) You might put it on your to-do list. Whereas actually, he's saying... God has moved towards you. He's beloved. He's made an ultimate, eternal move towards you. And so that you can carry the fruit of his spirit with you. You do. As long as you breathe in, you will breathe out. As long as we meet with him in the Holy of Holies, we breathe out in the outer courts. We take his river to the drought. Amen. Let me just pray for us. Father, thank you that... You have created in us a river of life. That where that river flows, it brings healing, it brings hope, it brings justice. And Lord, we want to be caught up in that river. Forgive us when we critique it from the sidelines. Lord, help us jump in this year. Help us jump in and know the depths that you have the depths of love that you have for the lost. And for anyone here who feels lost, who feels like they're east of Eden, who feels like Ezekiel felt uh, far from you, far east, Lord, we pray that even today they would know that your love pursues them and finds them where they are. And that your river is full of grace, full of change, transforming us day by day by your grace and by your mercy. We come as sinners that you have made one final move towards in your death, Jesus, on the cross and in your coming back to life for an eternal river to flow in eternity. We love you, God. Thank you.
Thank you for choosing us. Amen. Thank you, Judith.